the 200 level episode 226, the B team. And I do not mean that as a slight against the Motley crew, the ragtag group of Illini that got the win against Jackson State at home on a uh, the first night of college basketball. And it was a busy night. Great games all around. You had Michigan State versus Kansas. You had Kentucky versus Duke. Oddly enough, one of the best games was Ohio State versus John Gross's Akron team. And John Gross's team, dagnum it, they almost got it. But instead, a buzzer beater by Zed Key, of all people. So it was a busy night of college basketball, and the center of the universe was not champagne on this given night. But at least for those at the State Farm Center and those watching at home, it was fun. It was fun in a way that I don't think any of us would have predicted. In fact, about an hour before the game, an hour and a half before tip-off, when it became official that... Andre Curbelo and Trent Frazier and Austin Hutcherson were not going to play. I didn't dread the news, but it was still a bit of a buzzkill because it takes a bit of the wind out of the sails for an opening night. But what we got instead, I got to be honest, might have been more interesting. We got essentially an exhibition game, but of course this one counted. And we got to see a bunch of faces that were, for the most part, unfamiliar to us as fans. And I think the early returns are promising for what we saw. It was messy. There's no doubt. I mean, essentially, you were playing without a point guard against Jackson State. And by the way, Jackson State, good God. I mean, I've seen bad teams at the State Farm Center before. I remember some Chicago State teams, uh, even back in the early 90s, that were really bad. But there was something just so awful about this Jackson State team. There's a reason that out of 300 teams or whatever in D1, they're around 295, according to Ken Palm. Very bad team. So you're fortunate that with these injuries, you had a lesser than opponent, and that's an understatement. But that all said, you controlled the game from the early going. The opening 10-0, 12-0 run for Illinois was just awesome. Luke Goody, when he hit that three to go up 10-0, that place erupted. I got excited by it. And I think the reason I was excited, if I were to go macro, and you all know that I do that more often than not, is that you see the faces of the program when Kofi and an Andre Curbelo and a Trent Frazier and DeMonte Williams are gone. And that's going to be reality at some point, and for a lot of them sooner rather than later. So what is this next batch of guys, and will they be able to continue the success that you've seen so far? I got to say, I mean, there is a moxie and a swagger about even the new additions that I really like. And if I were to counter that to the John Gross era, and it's easy to say this when you get a top 10 team in the nation, but if I were to compare and contrast it to when we'd see new guys in the John Gross era, we hinged every hope on like one individual guy. For example, Jalen Coleman lands, right? That was the big recruit, I think, in Gross's second class. You couldn't get a point guard, but you did get a shooting guard out of Indiana. And we were thinking, please be a star. We kind of need you to be a star. Well, we don't need Luke Goody or R.J. Melendez, or Brandon Podzimski to be stars, especially not early. But what I did see last night, especially from Goody and Melendez, are two guys that should be rotation pieces for a long time. And then we saw the emergence of a potential superstar. And that's a big word, right? Superstar instead of just star. But Coleman Hawkins does things on the basketball court that very few can do. And he has this rare mix of size and athleticism and skill that you can't teach. And there's a reason that Underwood, after the game, spoke to how this kid doesn't even know how good he's going to be. And that's a scary thought. The kid has an attitude. I don't mind that for a young player. I don't want him getting technicals. I don't need him trash-talking Jackson State necessarily. But if he can harness that, I like the edge. And he will be, arguably, after Kofi 
and Corbello and Trent your fourth best player. Now, let's not sleep on Jacob Grandison. Don't do that. He, along with uh, Coleman Hawkins, those were the two best players on the court last night. And there was a reliability to Grandison and also a little bit more pep in his step. I mean, I think sometimes we underrate how athletic he is, but then we'll go up for a monster dunk or he'll run the court and think, man, that guy for six foot eight, six, seven, six, eight, he's athletic. So don't sleep on Jacob Grandison between him and Coleman Hawkins, your fourth or fifth best players. And that's no slide against DeMonte, who's still a good glue guy and was asked to do a lot of different things last night. But at least that means that a guy like Plummer off the bench can be a microwave and you aren't asking him to be much more than that. Or Omar Payne or BBV. What a game for Verdonk, by the way. You got size. You got bangers down there. And you're in a position now where the freshmen, you don't need them to do anything more than be freshmen. So that is a luxury. And that is the sign of a very healthy program that can build on this. So the micro and the macro, both positives in what was one of the weirder season openers, if not the weirdest season opener that I've seen as an Illini fan. Now, if I went with a negative weird season opener, you'd have to go back to 2015 or 2014. Let's see here. 2015, uh, John Gross's fourth season when they played in Springfield and they lost to North Florida in the opener. That was weird in a very bad way. This was weird in a fun, I'm never going to see that again kind of way. And I think for those that were at the State Farm Center last night, I'd say, you know, 10, 11,000. It was a good time. It was a really good time and you're 1-0 and a pretty nice start to the season without four of your best players. That's not too shabby. Now, before we get too far into this episode, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, custom zones with any topping you want, or some of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. Now, whether it's a business lunch or you just want to stay in as the weather gets colder, they can deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That is dpdoe.com. Also, 4th and Kirby, they got a new shirt. This shirt is awesome. For someone that went to school when Juice Williams was a quarterback, this is right up my alley. It is a Juice Williams t-shirt. So we had what? Uh, Corey Bradford. We had Brandon Lloyd. I think this is the third player t-shirt they've released. And uh, no slight to my guy, Corey Bradford, because Corey is the man. This design is superb. We all know that Juice Williams had an abnormally large head. I think he had the largest helmet on the team, like eight and three quarters or something ridiculous like that. So this kind of looks like bobblehead Juice Williams. There's a fun cartoonish kind of quality and in just big letters, Juice, in the style of the slanted, underlined Illinois helmets from back then. This shirt, it's going to scratch that nostalgic itch, and it looks great, like everything they got a fourth and Kirby. So check it out. I mean, we still got, what, three weeks left of football season, two games, fourthandkirby.com to get your Illini football t-shirt, your juice t-shirt ahead of the Northwestern game at home. That is fourthandkirby.com. Also, Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior needs. These guys are expert craftsmen, great customer service, and they will get a job done on time, right? So you can trust them that when they say, hey, we're going to be here, then they're going to be there and they're going to get it done when they tell you they will. Um, They're pros and you kind of want that when it comes to contractors and things like that. So go to rectorconstruction.com. That's R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com for a free estimate today. And finally, 
Got to give it to my guy, Brian Hansen, State Farm agent at brianismyguy.com. Homeowners and auto, that's our bundle, so we get the great State Farm prices. But uh, Brian and his staff, they made it just seamless, very easy when we moved to our new house last year. It's been over a year now, which is crazy to believe. And we re-upped with them because it's just superior service. They are really the best at what they do. So go online to brianismyguy.com. Make Brian your guy at brianismyguy.com. Alani Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And thank you listeners for tuning in. Uh, Travis, a listener met him at the game last night. Thanks for saying hi, Travis. He saw me in the 200 level. So it's not just a clever name. It's actually where I sit for these basketball games. And it was so good to get back there. And I was there for the first exhibition game, not the second. And I don't know if I'll be there Friday night. Might get the big 10 network plus thing. I know. Got some people that could use the tickets. So uh, I might set this one out. I will say the novelty of seeing all the B-team guys, I don't want to say that war thin, because that's not true. I mean, it was fun to watch it, but I will also be happy to get Andre Curbelo and Kofi Coburn and Trent Frazier back. Let's talk real quick about Austin Hutcherson, though. And in setting expectations, or you know, a lack thereof, anything he gives you is a bonus. We need to go into the season thinking that. And I hate saying that, but the kid has been injured so many times, and a bruised tailbone is nothing to sneeze at. That is something that can linger. And you just worry if he's one of those guys that just is seemingly made out of glass. I would feel terrible for the kid if that's the case. I hope not. So I am operating under the assumption that anything he gives you is merely a bonus. And if he's healthy, by God, you're a good good team without him. You're a great team without him. He could add an entirely different dimension. And... He's just another six foot seven, six foot eight guy that's fast and athletic and could be a great defender. I mean, I think the defense for this team could be better than last year. There are a few holes there. Let's start with some of that on defense, and then we'll get back to offense. Defensively, I love what Coleman Hawkins can do. Um, defensively, I like what Omar Payne can do. There were a couple blocks last night that were phenomenal. Defensively, I really like what Verdonk can do. That kid is built. He's a specimen. I mean, he's going to be, is he a redshirt sophomore? Maybe a redshirt freshman if he gets an extra year, because I think they might after the COVID thing. But by God, he comes out and he does not look like a developmental kind of player. He looks like he's ready to go. Consider the opponent, but also consider the fact he had 10 boards and he could be a, a tricky matchup for opposing bigs. And there are good bigs in the Big Ten, but at least when you put Verdonk out there, you don't feel like you have a total loss at the five. And same, of course, with Omar Payne. I will be honest, though. I think overall Verdonk looked better. And that's Jackson State. And you got to consider that Omar Payne played a lot of games at Florida. He's new to this program, whereas Verdonk is not. And by the way, I'm saying Verdonk instead of Bosnian's Verdonk because I just love saying Verdonk. Just it's it's a great name. Okay, defensively, Alfonso Plummer. I'm not sure if that might be sort of a lapse in backcourt defense. I'm I'm a little bit concerned at points last night, and I could see Underwood getting a little bit ticked off too. And not just at him, at the defense in general, but it did seem like Plummer, for a guy as old as he is, he may not exactly be an elite defender. I'm not counting on him to provide that. I am counting on him to make a few threes. Though, keep in mind, even though he hit about two and a half per game in the Pac-12, there were some games where he'd hit six and some where he would hit zero. So that is going to be a night-to-night basis. And the nights where he hit it, that can elevate you when the rest of the team might be struggling. 
So I think it's a tremendous addition. I understand, though, why he is not the starter. That does make sense when you have a full complement of players. DeMonte, you know what you get defensively. The freshman, hit or miss. You got size from the freshman. I mean, Luke Goody is sneaky big. 6'6", 6'7". R.J. Melendez, 6'7", 6'8". Podzimski, you notice he played the least, and that's kind of surprising considering he was the only ball handler, handler of the freshman. I think that might be indicative of where Podzimski is in this rotation. So if you're looking for an impact freshman, I actually look towards, gosh, I don't know if Goody or Melendez. I, I will say Melendez rebounding is showing a lot, and I think defensively he might be able to pick things up pretty quick. Though, I don't know if he's quite the shooter that Luke Goody is. They both hit threes last night, though. But defensively, you can at least put either one of those guys out there and maybe steal a few minutes. Now, what about offensively? Well, Jacob Grandison is as polished as you could have asked for. Again, considering the opponent, but when he's been playing in the preseason and now, he looks like a complete player. Much more than the role player that we kind of assumed that he was last year. Keep in mind, the team went on the run when he was slotted into the starting lineup. And when you get slotted into it in the way that he was, well, okay, he goes in there for DeMonte. DeMonte starts coming off the bench. And I don't think Grandison wasn't trying to step on anyone's toes, but you're trying to work your way into the rotation and you're playing a new role. Well, now that that role is established and he remains a starter and he's going to be your four, not Coleman Hawkins, but Grandison is going to be your starter. And I think he should be. I think he should. As good as Coleman Hawkins was, there is just this polish and um, sophistication sounds way too... I, I don't know if I could use that for basketball, but man, he looks like he knows what he's doing all the time. Grandison. And when he went out with about 10 minutes to go in the first half, because he had two fouls, I get that you were protecting the lead. Makes sense. Uh, you were protecting him. But things got a little dicey. In other words, when he should have been up 20 you were only up 12 or 13. And then you get Grandison back in there and immediately go on a run. I don't think that's coincidental. The guy can shoot. The guy can attack the rim. He makes his free throws. And that might be a bugaboo for this team. Uh Uh-oh. And he plays defense. And he rebounds. He does everything. And he's got the size to boot. So don't sleep on Grandison as being the best player on this team not named Kofi, Trent, or Curbelo. He probably is. And what a luxury when you can say that then Coleman Hawkins is your fifth best player. A six foot ten freak. I mean, he's a freak, and I mean that in the best way possible. He brought the ball up the court quite a bit yesterday against Jackson State, and he didn't look awkward doing so. Blocks, steals. He had some dimes and a couple that he got a little too showboaty, but he's got tremendous vision. And he's a pretty good shooter. And he can attack the rim and monster dunks, no less. And he had the kind of performance that makes me think, as long as you have him and Andre Curbelo next year, you're going to be fine. And I'm starting to see this ability of Brad Underwood as, as a coach to have one star after the next. And when you have that kind of turnover, to know that you can rely on a guy or two the following year makes it so much easier to maintain success. And in the golden age of Illini basketball, which for me was, you know, 1998 through 2006, it was star after star after star. And if you lost one, I mean, think about all the guys that left after Bill Self's second year. And his third year, you got Brian Cook and then these stud freshmen, and you hardly skip a beat. You damn near won the Big Ten yet again. 
Well, you're approaching that sort of thing when you've got the likes of a Corbello as a sophomore, uh, Coleman Hawkins as a sophomore, and we'll see if this crop of freshmen has any stars. I don't know if they will. I'm not sure. But, man, did Coleman Hawkins look the part. And this is a kid that's been getting a lot of hype, and he's lived up to it so far. You know, I mentioned the edge earlier and how that can get him into trouble, but I really think that that is a net positive. When you consider that Brad Underwood's trying to build a program that has an edge, you are going to have moments where you go a little too far and where you get a technical, and it can make me pull my hair out. Just like last year when DeMonte seemingly every other game got in the grill of a an opposing team. But uh, I think he might need that. And we went far too long with Illinois basketball not having an edge. Most of the Weber era, the entire John Gross era, you were hardly ever the aggressor. That's why when Kendrick Nunn against Penn State back in 2014, when he got in the face of DJ Newbill, I think it was, it felt so good. Like, yes, finally we have a dog out there, you know? Well, that's basically everybody out there on the court for Illinois. What I'm most excited about in seeing a guy like Coleman Hawkins adopt this mindset so quickly and then seeing the freshman out there playing with a kind of reckless abandon for lack of a better term um, they're just kind of flying around out there and there were lapses and there were moments where you're thinking oh god where was this guy or he misses defensive assignment but overall I was most impressed with the the collective and the fact that you know they went out there last night even without for their top dogs and thought we're going to kick some ass tonight. And they did from the get go. So, um, yeah, I, I just find myself so encouraged, not just about this year, because I was already high on this year's team, but there was something about watching last night's game. And I'm texting with Trevor and Isaac, who were both at the game too. And Trevor said something to the effect of, you know, back in the gross era, you would be watching these games and thinking, God, we really need this. If this guy pans out, then maybe we'll make the tournament this year. And you're so far beyond that now. If one guy pans out, he's the difference between being great and really, really great. And that is something we haven't seen here in 15 plus years, a position where it feels like for the foreseeable future, you'll be able to go to the State Farm Center and have a really good product to watch. The fact that last night was an enjoyable product with all those guys out tells you how far this program has come. And we're in year five, right? Now, sometimes I look at year five and I think, man, that's a long time. But really, in the grand scheme of things, five years to turn this thing around to the degree that Brad Underwood has, I don't think we give him a lack of credit. I think for the most part, we appreciate what he's done. But there are sometimes when you frame it in the context of even a successful program's history like Illinois. And this is a remarkable turnaround. So I, that hit me a few times last night, something that I didn't consider. And what a, what a best case scenario that is to go to a game and see these new faces and have fun as they're going out there and playing relatively well, all things considered. But then to leave that stadium feeling like, okay, I think we might be back. I think we are. And, and to feel like that's not premature in saying so. All right, so what's next for this team, right? We get the win against Jackson State. It's fun. We can turn the page to Arkansas State. That They will be a tougher challenge, but you got to wonder, are you going to get Trent or Curbelo back? Again, not counting on Hutch. If so, it's a bonus. But I would think that just judging on how they were walking around fairly casually and they, you know, you look at, oh, they seem healthy, right? They got to be fine. I know it is the non-shooting shoulder for Trent Frazier. I got to think that he could go Friday. 
And then for concussion protocol, which is what Andre Crabello is in right now, that, of course, is tricky. But, you know, you seemed fine last night. Again, that what does that mean? I do wonder if they were not held back considering the opponent and that the staff knew they could probably afford it this game. And that if there were any doubt and any sense that you needed one of them to get that win, to ensure that you don't start 0-1, that they would have played. So going to Friday, do you consider Arkansas State enough of a step up in competition where you put out a guy like Curbelo or Trent Frazier, even if they aren't 100%, but more like 80 or 90 And that will be the question going into the game Friday night. It's a late start, 8 o'clock. You know, it's going to be kind of a weird vibe before we get the lineups. And really, we're going to be waiting with bated breath until we get the reports from Jeremy or Joey or Scott Ritchie or anyone else covering the game about whether or not Andre Curbelo or Trent Frazier is in street clothes. Now, if either of them are out there in warm-ups and they're fully dressed, you can exhale And not just for the Arkansas State game, but I do think there is some value in getting these guys back before the Marquette game. So you aren't just putting all these new pieces, I say new pieces, but it would be nice to get these guys some reps before they go up for a road game against Marquette. Now, speaking of Marquette, they beat SIU Edwardsville yesterday, 88-77 to at home. Not much you can read into that. I don't know how good this Marquette team is. Ken Palm has them in the 80s. And last night, apparently... I saw this on Twitter. I wish I could give credit to who did this. You can figure out Ken Palm rankings by taking players out. So when you took out Kofi, Andre Curbelo, Trent Frazier, and Austin Hutcherson, Illinois went from third or fourth in the nation to 65th, which means that you are still technically better than Marquette, even with those guys, according to Ken Palm. And it may not be a perfect science, but uh, I think it is fairly indicative of how good these teams are. So if you get Trent and Andre Crabello back, I'm guessing that's a top 20 team and you go up there and you get the win against what is a subpar Marquette team. I think that's fair, right? Marquette, by the way, they're playing New Hampshire at home on Friday night. So there are two opening games, SIU Edwardsville and New Hampshire. So they won't really be tested before Illinois, but likewise, Illinois won't be tested before Marquette. I would like to see Crabello and Trent on the court Friday and then see what Plummer looks like when he doesn't have to run point, and he can just be the microwave, like I mentioned earlier. Now, starting 3-0, that that would be, (laughs) I said nice. That's kind of an understatement. Let me reverse that statement. Not starting 3-0, even when you factor in the injuries and factoring in Kofi not playing, would be a disappointment. I mentioned earlier how the general sense I got watching that game last night was, as a program, you've arrived. Now, programs face adversity and run into injury issues or depth issues based on that kind of stuff. And in the course of a season, you will be shorthanded every so often. Marquette is still a winnable game, all those things considered. So I don't want them to start 2-0 and and then go up and lay an egg up at Marquette. And even though it wouldn't kill you with the selection committee, because Kofi being out is a factor they would consider with it, just don't complicate things. Beat them. And, you know, easier said than done. I get that. But it does seem like a matchup that even without your top dog, you should be able to get it done. Um, But this beginning of the season, I do think can pay dividends long term. And I mentioned this in an earlier podcast that you get tick for guys that will be in the rotation this year, not to the extent that they were last night. I mean, hell, before the eight minute timeout, there was this 
couple possession sequence where I looked out there and it seemed like the guys were gassed. And it's the first game of the year, and it was really DeMonte who was asked to run point for most of last night. He looked especially gassed, but even Coleman Hawkins came up the court one time, and he's not used to playing 30-plus minutes in a game, but you had to play him that long. Um, I do think this will pay dividends later on, and to get a couple of gimmies, so to speak, at home, and I hope I'm not speaking too soon in regards to the Arkansas State game, but to get a couple gimmies at home and be able to have the benefit to see all these guys and figure out who the 8th and ninth and 10th guys in the rotation are before you bring back everybody and have your full complement of players, that has to, I think, excite Brad Underwood a little bit too. You know, I don't know if he's going to be losing any sleep before Arkansas State. Um, I think, again, back to the point that you would probably play Andre Curbelo or Trent Frazier if they're able, because you don't want to play with fire here. You, you don't want to be in a dogfight against Arkansas State, especially with Marquette looming just three days later. Get a win where you don't have to play everybody that much, and then you can go in fresh on Monday night up at Milwaukee, which, by the way, we will be back to doing a podcast during the second half of the Marquette game. Isaac, Trevor, they're going to come here to the basement studio for the first time, and we'll get that rolling again. So that'll be fun. Um, it seems like people enjoy those quite a bit. So we got away games again. And um, between the Marquette game and the tournament the next week, let's see, at Iowa, we got quite a few coming up. Bragging rights. So that will be in addition to these solo pods in the basement. But yeah, let's not let's not mess with this. You know, let's let's just start three and zero, and then we have a full week to prepare for that tournament, and then Kofi comes back, and then okay, let's have some fun. And in a way, I kind of want the beginning of the season to be an afterthought. You know, we're excited that it's back, but doesn't it feel like exhibition plus until you get the full complement back? Like, did last night have the same pop as most season openers? I think we'd agree it didn't. Um, not that it wasn't fun, but that it didn't have the same sort of pomp and circumstance you would have expected for a top 10 Illini team playing in front of fans at home for the first time with a game counting. Um, All those factors were still there and people were excited, but I think, you know, there's this weird sense among Illini fans that, okay, we're really good and just wait until Arizona comes into town. I mean, I know I had that thought last night, this idea of, oh my God, like imagine this place on December 4th, 4 p.m. on a Saturday filled to the brim with orange as we bring in an Arkansas team that that's a very winnable game. Arkansas is a little bit down this year, but it's still, or sorry, Arizona, but it's still Arizona. And that's a name opponent, the state farm center help Notre Dame on November 29th. I think it is that that's going to be a sellout. I would assume. And it's going to be a crazy crowd for a big 10 ACC challenge game. So you got these opportunities coming up and last night felt like, okay, you know, we're shaking the dust off even for the fans. Shaking the dust off. Where's the bathroom again? The concessions? Okay, lay of the land. Now I know exactly what I'm going to be doing for these bigger matchups. And uh, even for me, it felt like, you know, like spring training or something. And it really officially begins on Monday. I'm not worried about Friday. I'm not. I don't want to be. You know, as I watch that on Big Ten Network Plus, um, I, I really hope that I'm not thinking, oh, God. Because think of how many games last year there was that sense of, oh, God. Northwestern, uh, Nebraska on the road. You know, these games where you should have won very comfortably and you didn't. And I mentioned in the last podcast that the only concern that I have for this team, and I will drop this concern early on if they show me they just come out guns blazing, if that's kind of their attitude. 
But there were enough games last year where you either didn't put teams away or you started out so terribly in the opening four minutes that you were always behind the eight ball. I mean, that that led to my start Curbelo campaign, which eventually, did you actually start him by the end of the year? I, I don't know if you didn't. No, well, well, only when Io went out. But when Io came back, it was still Curbelo off of the bench, I think. But yes, I still stand by my start Curbelo thing. And guess what? I won't have to worry about that as long as Andre Curbelo is playing for Illinois. Point being, show me Friday, show me Monday against Marquette, show me next week or the week after that in that tournament against, what is it, Arkansas or Kansas State in game two, Cincinnati in game one. Show me these early games that you aren't going to fall into that same trap. And then uh, then I'm really going to settle in for what I think is going to be an even more fun year than last one. And, and, and if you recall, last season was pretty fun until it wasn't, of course, but damned if it wasn't fun for most of it. Now, um, the Big Ten, we got a little taste of some of the other teams yesterday, and overall, a pretty good night for the Big Ten. Uh, Well, let me try to see. I mean, Purdue looked fine. Michigan State played a really good Kansas team. I think Michigan State is going to be fairly similar to last year. Middle of the pack, maybe top five or six in the Big Ten. They'll make the tournament. They do have a higher ceiling, I think, but it's just this Champions Classic. I know Izzo, the MO is to play these teams early, these really tough opponents. It's just sometimes unfair when it's the likes of Kansas and the way the Bill Self recruits. That's a little bit higher level than even Michigan State, as good of a program as Michigan State is. So they'll be fine. Uh, Michigan right now, by the way, is playing Buffalo, and they were up 15 points, 20 points, so that game is... Fairly within hand for Michigan. Um, But other games last night, Ohio State. Now, I had forgotten that Dwayne Washington is not there. And for some reason, I thought, oh, God, he's back, and Ohio State's going to be a thorn in our side again. But we saw it was really the E.J. Liddell show last night against Akron, even though he fouled out and actually had a boneheaded foul for a four-point play for Akron to take the lead late in the game before Zed Key got the late layup. And what a heartbreaker for John Gross and Akron. They outplayed Ohio State in that second half. They outscored him 38-31. to And they should have won that game. You know, and that's too too bad. They led for a good chunk of that second half. At least the last eight minutes, they kind of were in control of that game. And just wasn't meant to be. Now, if you're an Ohio State fan, I think that you are mildly concerned. As good as E.J. Liddell is... You know, and I don't know if there's an injury to Kyle Young or what it is, because as I look at this lineup, Kyle Young was not there. It was EJ Liddell. Zed Key was the second best player. Aaron's didn't do much for them. Suing, remember how Suing killed Illinois all the time last year? He had two points off the bench, one for seven from the field. A kid named Branham had seven points and six boards off the bench. But it really is the EJ Liddell show, and that's tricky. Though, I actually think you've got more guys that you can go against him this year. I mean, can can a Coleman Hawkins defend E.J. Liddell with that length that he has? I would think he could. I think that'd be a tricky matchup for E.J. Liddell. So, you factor in that, and then maybe even a healthy Hutcherson. I mean, again, that's a bonus, but it does seem like Ohio State is taking a step back, and for me, that's okay, because, my God, it, it was so excruciating playing them three times last year. And I know you won two of them, but as I told a friend of mine who's an Ohio State fan, I wanted nothing to do with them in a fourth matchup in the NCAA tournament. Of course, we found out (laughs) in the first round that wasn't going to happen on their end, and then by the second round wasn't going to happen on Illinois' end either. Uh, Elsewhere in the Big Ten last night, let me cue up some of these other scores. Uh, Nebraska. Good God, Nebraska. I... (laughs) 
<laughs> just really, really sad. Uh, they lose at home to Western Illinois. I'm not really sure what's going on with Fred Hoiberg out there. You know, transfer you, and that can work to an extent. It it worked for him at Iowa State. It ain't working now. You cannot lose like that. And Nebraska, I'm wondering, what do they do other than women's volleyball for the Big Ten? Like, what is the point of Nebraska? They've brought nothing to the equation. So just a stupid addition and nicest fans in the Big Ten, kiss my ass. Fulfill your end of the bargain. Can you at least like do something of relevance for the revenue sports? Apparently not. That's just not going to happen for Nebraska. Uh, Elsewhere, Maryland beats Quinnipiac. 83-69. to Maryland sitting there at 21st in the AP rankings. Mark Turgeon doing Mark Turgeon things. They're going to be tough. They're going to have a bunch of 6-7 guys that are athletes that are a tough matchup, I think. And wouldn't be surprised if that's one of your losses this year because Mark Turgeon tends to do well against Brad Underwood's teams. Indiana with a surprisingly close one at home, 68-62 to against Eastern Michigan. Where else here? We got Purdue beating Bellarmine. Never even heard of that school. Uh, and that was 96 to 67. Minnesota beats Missouri Kansas City 71 to 56 though Minnesota looks to be awful this year. Northwestern beats Eastern Illinois 80 to 56. Wisconsin beats St. Francis of New York 81 to 58 and then Iowa beat Longwood. Quick note on Iowa. Keegan Murray 24 points, 8 of 10 field goals, uh, 3 for 4 from 3. He is a star. So Iowa's going to be good again. Because of him and because of Bohannon, I'm sure there's a few McCaffrey kids in the equation as well. Keegan Murray, Bohannon, Patrick McCaffrey, Toussaint. I like Toussaint. He he does not bother me nearly as much as other Iowa players. Um, there's another K. Murray, Chris Murray, who scored 16 points last night. Don't know if there's any relation there or not. But yeah, that is a, a decent Iowa team. They're going to have no problem scoring yet again. Oh yeah, there is a Christian McCaffrey as well. Two McCaffreys, why not? Ugh, barf, gag me with a spoon. Um, there is something, though, that I thought was interesting, and this is a minor complaint. Andy Katz over the Big Ten Network did the Cats 20. And the Cats 20 is the list of the 20 best players in the conference. And if I could find this here, um, there's there's some issues with it. Namely, the Keegan Murray is not on it. But Brad Davison is. You know Brad Davison the 32-year-old guard for Wisconsin. He's in his seventh or eighth year, whatever the hell it may be. He, he will never leave. Like, why would he? He's not going to play pro ball anywhere. This scrub, this bum, and I wouldn't normally say that for people that are, you know, well, maybe he is five years my junior, maybe he's my age. Who the hell knows anymore? He had a flop warning. Eight minutes left in the first half of their game. A flop warning. And Andy Katz puts him in the top 20 Big Ten players. This guy has regressed every single year. When people have figured out how to defend him, he's nothing. And he probably was, you know, taking advantage of the fact that he had much better supporting cast around him early on, and that opened things up for him. If you recall last year, he had, I think, the worst two-point shooting percentage in basketball. Something crazy like that. And he looked god-awful against Illinois both of those games. He's not a tw- top 20 player in the Big Ten. So it, maybe that was Andy Katz throwing Wisconsin a bone because they're going to be fairly mediocre this year, and I feel actually comfortable in saying that. Greg Gard can stay there for as long as he wants to. And actually, now that I think about it, so can Brad Davison. You know, sometimes it is fun to hate an, oppo- a, an opponent. I mean, Iowa gives us plenty of that, and then Brad Davison and a few other guys in Wisconsin do. So yeah, Michigan... Looking good tonight, it looks like. Uh, Purdue looking good. Basically, we know what we got. We have a three-horse race. 
I'm not going to put Indiana in there. Can't trust them. Not going to put Michigan State in there. I'm not going to put Ohio State in there because I, I really do think without Dwayne Washington, that is different. And Kyle Young, I, I need, someone's going to be listening to the same carp. This is the deal with Kyle Young. But he w- was not playing last night, and I forget if he's still there or not. If he, if he is, and it's just a short-term injury, then that does make them more dangerous. But I, I don't see them being a contender for the Big Ten title. It's a three-team race. And between Michigan and Purdue and Illinois, I still think the highest ceiling goes with Illinois. And I do think there's also a fairly high floor when you consider your center and your point guard, neither of whom have played yet. Hopefully that will change for the point guard on Friday. And then of course, Kofi after Marquette. So overall it's back. College basketball is back. Illinois is going to be good. And I don't think these injuries are anything that are long-term except maybe Hutch. You got to keep an eye on that because of his history, but for Curbelo and Trent, they seem to be just fine and, and maybe we'll be back Friday and then Kofi will certainly be well-rested in time for that tournament against, gosh darn it, who? Oh, yeah, Cincinnati, and then the winner of Arkansas and Kansas State. And then there we go. We got Notre Dame. We got Arizona. Rutgers at home at Iowa, all within the span of a few weeks. So this is going to heat up quick, and this is the calm before the storm, but they do count now, and you start at 1-0, and at the end of the day, that really is the only thing that matters. All right. Basketball only on this podcast. It is a bye week for Illinois football. They got a commit or two today, I think. Need to read up on that before I, I talk about it. But a big week, I'm sure, recruiting-wise for Brett Bielema, getting to sell that win at Minnesota and the win at Penn State and show some true momentum forward. So I hope that it pays dividends for uh, these guys on the recruiting trail. And we'll get back into it next week, of course, with football, with Iowa looming. And what I'm excited about is Karen and I are having – my family over for an early Thanksgiving because we spend Thanksgiving up in Michigan and it'll be just like a normal Thanksgiving where there's football on the TV, a one o'clock kick. I love one o'clock. It's so rare, but it's perfect. That's the best time for a kickoff at Iowa city. So excited to watch that game. What the hell? Right. I mean, I think you'll compete and man, if they were to win, you know, maybe not a great chance of that, but uh, crazier things have happened, i.e. winning at Penn State or winning at Minnesota. Um, this would be crazier than the Minnesota win, but by how much? I don't know. By a factor of what? I don't know, because I was kind of struggling right now. So good opportunity as you get a bye week, and then I think Iowa plays. Uh, I need to check and see who they're playing this weekend. But they do have a game, and hopefully it is a bruiser of a football game, because that would not hurt things at all. As I look at football here, okay, Iowa is playing Minnesota at home. Don't be surprised if Minnesota comes out a little hot on Saturday. Iowa's five-and-a-half-point favorites. The other games in the Big Ten this weekend, Indiana hosting Rutgers. Indiana's two and seven. Oh, my gosh. That's been there, done that, Indiana. Great season, followed up by a complete disappointment, though they are six-and-a-half-point favorites against Rutgers. Michigan is a one-point favorite at Penn State. I like Michigan in that game, I think. I don't know, though. Should I really get bamboozled by Jim Harbaugh again? That's tough. Wisconsin hosting Northwestern. Wisconsin, 24.5-point favorites. I'm going to jump on that right now. Northwestern always plays Wisconsin tough. I, they played Iowa tough last week. They lost 17-12. to 12. Northwestern is going to muck that game up, and 24.5 is an astounding number. So I'm hitting that right now. Before when this podcast is over, I'm putting money on that game. Uh, Minnesota and Iowa, Iowa 5.5-point favorites. Purdue at Ohio State, Ohio State 20.5-point favorites. And then Michigan State looking to rebound against Maryland at home. So an interesting slate. 
I do like that slate of games on Saturday. All right, that's it for tonight's or today or this week's episode of the Tuner Level. We'll be back on Saturday or Sunday after that game against Arkansas State. Hopefully we get some guys back and start looking like our complete complement of players again. That would be as fun as watching the B team was. It would be fun to get some of the A team guys in there as well. Before we get out of here, a reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, so go online to dpdo.com and order today. Fourth and Kirby, the new Juice Williams t-shirt is available. Go online to fourthandkirby.com and get yourself one of these just awesome. I mean, this is Corey Bradford. I love you. This t-shirt is just as good as the Corey Bradford one. It's that good. And you know how much I love the Corey Bradford one. Fourthandkirby.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters. You name it, Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy too at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior needs. That is rectorconstruction.com. For Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate their partnership and appreciate you, the listeners. Uh, we'll not be at the game, it seems like, on Friday night, but I'll be watching it and reacting to it this weekend. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 Level.